There we go. We are live. Welcome everyone to Fan Fuel Podcast, the podcast where fans fuel talk about motorsports. Uh, I am your interim host this week. Alex Harrington was not feeling good. He sounds like a squeaky boy. Um, something going on with his throat there. Um, but I am your interim host, Colton Cranmore, um, the one with all the bad takes. And to my side here is the great Nathan Ball. Uh, Nate, mm-hmm. how's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I got about shoot. The race was good. I watched that all the night, and um, I woke up four or five hours later. I drove probably for an hour and a half. Got in the rental carts, did a race in the morning, lapped the field, did a race at noon, second in that one, did a race at three, second in that one, and then I drove all the way back home. So Man, it was a long day, but it was pretty fun. Yeah, busy Labor Day weekend. You lapped the field in your cart race. I, yeah, actually, I believe so. But once they got the scores back, um, I was about five car lengths from lapping second. So it wasn't technically the whole field, but mine as well. Close enough. You know, like I was, I didn't know I was leading the race after the second pit stop. After the first one, like before that happened, at the start, I got the lead and I knew that I had to build a big gap before I pitted the first stop. After that, I knew I was kind of in the ballpark, no idea where I was. After the second stop, I saw second place like about a hundred yards ahead of me. And I assumed he was in front of me. So I kind of ran him back down over like 20 or 30 laps. And I got to his bumper and when the flag man pointed at me for the white flag, I was like, Oh, so I guess I'm, I don't have to pass him. Like I'm leading. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that, I probably would have passed him and I wouldn't have known that I had won the race. Huh? So now you're, is it like a league thing or do you just go in Every once in a while they have big races. Like, do they have season-long points or something? Are you racing for points there? Uh, no, actually, I did the league in the summer. Um, it's a little bit dirtier, so I, that's kind of what turns me off of it. Um, they're okay. shorter races. I finished fifth in points the first year I did it, and then after that I decided, hey, I'm just going to do the endurance events. Like, they're cleaner races. They're longer distance. There's pit mm-hmm. stops and stuff in there. And it's more about putting a race together consistently than it is to just be quick, which is why I enjoy it. So I mean, really now I just, I try to save my money and do just the endurance events and on holidays, like say Labor Day, they had three of them. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do all three of them. And then whenever money I got left over, I'm just going to try and use for the 206 card. If I can get to rent one of those. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't really do anything this weekend other than sit around and I've been playing the absolute hell out of some MLB the show. We were just talking about it before the stream. It's a good game if y'all play it, if y'all are baseball fans. Um, so we are going to just get right into it. Um, pull up my note here. Um, Nate, I actually want you to kind of mention some of the F1 silly season that's been going on. I've heard a couple of rumors, and I've heard a couple of stories, um, but you're our, kind of our Formula One guy, so what's going on with that? Yeah, so long story short, um, everybody was hyping up George Russell. You know, like he needs to be in a Mercedes. He needs to be in a Mercedes, and – after this week, they finally announced it. Like, it's taken forever to do it. Um, the first big announcement that came is that Botas is heading to Alfa Romeo because he wanted a quote-unquote secure job, so they gave him a multi-year deal over there. And it sounds like Mercedes wanted to keep Botas, but they weren't going to offer him a multi-year deal, so he didn't want to stay there. So they put Russell in there, and his deal is quote-unquote multi-year already. I don't know how long it is, whether it's like a one-plus-one or it's multiple years, but he's confirmed there next year. Um, Williams is actually going to replace him with Alex Albon, which is another out of left field thing. Um, Red Bull is apparently supporting the whole thing. So they got him back on the grid. And then with Kimi Raikkonen retiring, I don't really know who's going to be in the next seat. You know, they don't know if they're going to keep Antonio Giovinazzi or they're just going to bring somebody else in. Um, Another big news thing that came out today is that an F2 driver named Guan Yu Zhou is one of the quote-unquote main candidates. Um, I don't know if he's still leading the points in F2, but he brings a ton of money because he's a Chinese driver. Um, Apparently, people in China really want one of their drivers to make it to F1. So I don't know if he would have government backing, but he would have a ton of money behind him. So if there's anybody I would pick for that, it'd be him. Has there ever been a Chinese driver in F1 before? Oh, man. You know, come to think of it, I don't believe there has. Like, he might be the closest thing there is to it. 
which is why there's so much support behind him. And he's got a lot of backing, which is really big. Yeah, that may be because, yeah, thinking back, I can't think of a single one. I mean, I'm sure there there may have been one kind of like field filler at some point, yeah. but I can't yeah. think of a single one. Like, huh? Well, if y'all are watching this or listening to it, tweet at us at yeah. fan. We need to figure out if there was ever if there was a Chinese driver in F1. Um, I swear there isn't. Like, I just cannot think of a single one. Like, I can think of drivers from Indonesia. I can think of them from India. I can think of them from. Thailand, I can think of them from Japan, every country around China. I just can't think of any from China. Oh, yeah, it says there's only one Chinese driver to practice in F1, which I would assume is, I don't remember his name, but I remember that happening. Huh, interesting. Alex coming in clutch, even though he's off stream. Yes. So I appreciate his participation, too, because obviously he can't speak, but. Oh, here, He's here. still helping us out. Right there for those. I cannot uh, believe that. Yes. His first Ma, name is Ma. Ma. King Wa. King. Yeah. I don't know. I don't speak Chinese. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kimmy, Kimmy retiring is the big news for me. Yeah. Uh, one who doesn't follow F1. Um, of course, uh, Botas leaving Mercedes um, is pretty big. But, yeah, Kimmy retiring, that's a name that I know um, even just from NASCAR because he ran those few NASCAR races. Um. So that one was definitely surprising to me. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long it was going to go on because he even says that he likes to do it for a hobby. Um, he never knew when he was going to want to quit or no one knew because he was so just nonplussed about it. You know, he's like, you know what? I just decided to head home. So I don't know. He'll be missed because he's actually a really good driver. I know a lot of people now think of him for the, the funny stuff he says or whatnot, but he was really good back back at his peak yeah it, it'd be nice to say that i drive f1 cars as a hobby yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and the nascar thing that was pretty cool too like i don't think he did that bad in the truck race oh no yeah no um well with that let's move on into uh to woke or joke here we haven't done that in a little while um did you see any of the videos from the next gen test uh yeah i believe i saw a couple of them there was okay. one did you see him go by in the in the pack, the little mini pack. Yeah, I saw that one. All right, so first one, Woker joke. What do you think of the sound of the next gen cars? Oh man, it's tough. Like I don't want to say woke, but I don't also want to say joke because it's like to me, it's almost like an acquired taste. Um, I'm not like a huge fan of the cars being that low pitched. It almost sounds like the old indie cars, like from the first few years of the IRL. Um, I prefer the higher pitch, like the X-pipe noise, but that being said, I'll, I'll probably get used to it. Um, it's not going to be a huge change, but it's not its not my ideal sound, but it's not really that bad either, so I'm undecided. Yeah, I agree. Everyone talks about how great the Gen 4 sound was, and you can go back on broadcast and hear it. Um, I have not heard the next-gen cars in person. I mean, very few people have, so I can't really say – as far as yet, and we haven't seen a full field of them go by yet. Um, but I'm going to go joke because to me, they sound like a cup car that's down two cylinders. I mean, yeah, they just, that's a good they, comparison, honestly. They kind of sound just sound off. Um, they don't really sound like they're running around full throttle and really hammering down. They just kind of, and they almost sound like my neighbor moaning his lawn at 7 a.m. Oh, Alex made a good point here. He said that he says woke and that they remind him of the Corvette and IMSA. Those are crazy loud. Like if you've ever heard a C7R in person back when they raced, I mean, they shook the ground. Like that was something that I've never really had any other race car do before, but I can't really attest as to whether or not the next gen car actually sounds, would actually sound like a Corvette in person. Yeah. And, and I'm in the same, I'm, I'm open to be swayed by it just because, right. uh, you know, I do not, I haven't heard them in person. I haven't heard enough of it yet. I've just heard that one little snip of it. Um, to your point, I haven't heard the Corvette live either. Um, the only car, yeah, that, that car is, you, you're not going to get near that thing without going deaf. Yeah. The only car I've ever heard that shook the ground was the, the top fuel dragsters. Yeah. They shook the beer out of my cup that was sitting on a concrete step when they went by. I mean, I'll be honest, my favorite race car sound, like it's either, um, 
some of the V10s from the F1 era, even the V12s from the 90s sounded really good. But other than that, I would probably say the Porsche RSR from 2017. Mm. That is a beautiful sounding car. If you never heard it, look it up. Like just 911 RSR 2017. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Because, yeah, I haven't heard much, many race cars live outside of the occasional super late model. Um, I just, that's what's so cool about the IMSA racing. It's like every oh, car yeah. has a different sound. And you, get to, you can tell which car is which after you sit there for a little bit just based on the sound. Cheyenne says the Grand American Modifieds are her favorite. And they I do something cool. heard one of those in person. It's like a, like a Wheeling Modified. I'm trying to remember what those sound like. I know I've seen a few of those on TV. They're I just those races are really cool. Yeah, they're just super loud V8s. That's, I mean, that's it. I mean, they they really kind of get up in the RPMs. We'll hear them bounce off the chip. Um, I mean, those that sounds pretty cool to me when they do that. Yeah, they're cool. If you ever get the chance, go check out a modified race. Man, they're there's some really kick-ass cars. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have Alex participate in Wilker Joke just because he's all right in the chat here. So we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to announce his comments um, as they pop up here. Next one. Um, I want to know, I know where you stand on the door numbers. What do you think about some of the next-gen cars showing up to the test with a center door number, kind of like William Byron? Oh, man, I got to go woke. I mean, they're pleasing to people. Like, I know that not everybody likes the door numbers. I know that not everybody likes the numbers move forward. Not everyone's going to be happy at either one, but I like it because I think it shows you that the paint scheme can still work. It doesn't have to move forward. It still looks fine. So I think... They did a good job showing that, showing that things can still work. It just depends on who designs the paint scheme more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm woke, kind of like sticking it to the man. Um, and to be honest, as long as they keep the number size the same, if they have to move the numbers, okay. But keep don't don't. I'm worried about Joe Gibbs um, because they uh, we saw in the All Star race they shrunk the numbers down super small. That's yeah, what I'm really afraid of come next season. The teams are going to shrink the numbers down. Um, we got Alex's comment here. Right. Did this on iRacing Pro Series 2, proving the move is moot. Oh, um, yeah. I remember seeing those cars now that you mentioned it. Like, I didn't even think of that because I didn't watch the Pro Series racing. Yeah. And I, w- I wish they'd, they'd give the teams the option. You can slide it forward if your sponsor wants it. You can keep it where it's at. You know, and that's that's kind of where I think those cars right. are going to go with it. Like, Hey, we want to keep this here. You know, we don't have much else other than slapping just another Exalta logo on there to fill mm-hmm. the space. Like it kind of looks tacky. Um, bring back contingencies. I'm hard on this. <laughs> bring back contingency decals. Yeah. I don't know why they got rid of them. I don't even remember why they got rid of them. Was it like a money thing or yeah, I think it was like RTA money. maybe. No. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of miss the decals. Like I don't need like a thousand of them, but I like the Penske, just a little bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, what I grew up with. More on paint schemes. What do you think of the three car during the test? Oh man, I don't. I don't want to be like, completely just ragging on them because it's a test session. But I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, normally, I would say, hey, it's just a test car. But knowing that the numbers are going to be moved forward next year. If that's what the actual race cars look like, I'm not going to be super interested. Like, I always try to buy a diecast or two every year, and now if they're like that, I don't, I really don't know if I'm going to feel that that passionate toward paint schemes and NASCAR. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm going to go joke. Um, it's the same paint scheme with the number slid forward and an extra Bass Pro Shops on the side, as if we didn't already know who his sponsor was. And it kind of takes the design away from it too. I think until it, the designers yeah. figure out. I mean, yeah, and the logo is kind of just crudely slap on there, like someone took right. a piece of clip art and just stuck where the number should go. Right. It's not like the regular Bass Pro car where you got orange and black and like there's lines and everything. I don't know. Like, I think it's going to take a while before the designers can start making it look presentable. Yeah, it almost looked like a, a middle school art project. Yeah, that's probably the best word for it. I mean, I. That's basically what it would happen if I were to draw a car. Like I would just—that's what we'd end up with. Alex says, "Joke, probably just a lazy test scheme, but three in BPS could swap spots." I agree. I mean, I think if we're going to move the number anywhere, move them back like a super dirt late model. Um, it, it gives it that almost faster feel because it looks like the number's trying to catch up to the car almost. 
almost, um, I, I think what Alex is saying makes sense because you look at paint schemes like the 19, there's like a Reese's Food logo that's right in front of the 19 where the contingency panel used to be. I mean, that doesn't look that bad. Like teams put extra sponsors there just fine now. So right. I don't see the purpose of moving the number forward when you can just put a sponsor in front of the number and right. keep the number where it is. Yeah, I agree completely. And I mean, not a lot of teams have that back quarter panel filled with different sponsors nowadays too. Yeah. We see it all the time. Dale Earnhardt, you said the Bird King down there. Mm-hmm. And I get that's, that's part of the reason is because that quarter panel shrunk, move it elsewhere, put it somewhere else on the car. All right. And look at Alex, another good point right here. You know, he said they don't sell the spot in our current state. So what makes people think that they're magically going to sell more sponsorship spots now? I mean, Right. And, and that's been my point for quite a while now is, Sponsors aren't coming to the sport because there isn't an extra two and a half feet on the door for them to fill up. It's there's a whole slew of errors that lead sponsors and drive sponsors away. Um, my, go ahead. Oh yeah, and my um, my genuine prediction behind it is that they're they're not going to get much new sponsors. If say if it's a DoorDash car, they're just going to put an extra DoorDash logo there, and then NASCAR is going to be like, hey, this is a success, you know. Look at all the new sponsorship space, right. but none of the sponsors that are on the door are new. They're just all the primary sponsor with one extra logo. Right. Yeah, we're one step closer to looking like NHRA cars and IMSA and yeah. all that. And not that they're bad. It's just uh, time and a place. Time and a place. Yeah. yeah. They're not yeah. NASCAR tradition. Uh, right. They're, they're great for IMSA and they're great for NHRA, you know, because you don't really need numbers in, I mean, really an NHRA, you don't need numbers at all. And I mean, even formula one and things like that. I mean, the paint schemes are so vastly different. You could tell the teams apart. Um, but I mean, in NASCAR, I mean, schemes change every single week. I don't see Mercedes flipping flopping schemes every other week. Yeah. So how am I supposed to know? Like I'm looking at some of the drivers that run shoot. Kyle Larson's probably run like five or six already. Um, the 18 is probably run like 10. Yeah. I'm thinking there's, some of the like the 42 probably run a lot. Um, I know for sure that the 19s and other ones run a lot. Yeah, I mean, so all the Penske cars tell who, who's who. Yeah, the Penske cars interchange sponsors like nothing. Yeah. Um, what did you think about the 42? Are you in the same boat with that one? What yeah, you- I saw that the, the CGR social media was trying to compare it to McMurray's uh Haviland scheme from. 2003 or 2000 around that time i don't remember the exact year but i'm like the only similarity is a yellow number like i don't see any correlation to right. the original 42 and it's like i don't know if they're just grasping at straws or i i don't know like i'm not a huge fan of it personally like i just think the number's too far forward yeah i agree i mean i think the the yellow door number is something that i mean it looks cool on there um yeah. but i mean again they just slapped they just kind of moved the Advent Health sponsor and stretched it out. And all they did was put Clover in a little bit bigger on the door. Um, I mean, a McDonald's is still super tiny on the quarter panel like it would be. Um, so, I mean, I get that they're trying to kind of throw back and give people something to talk about. Maybe give the associate sponsor something else. But like you mentioned with Truex, put it in front of the door, make it small. Perfect. I mean, it, work, it works just fine. Um, Alex is right here. So I'm joke. Alex is woke-ish. He says, show the purpose of the move, but the number's too far forward. Yeah, that makes good sense. I agree. I'd rather rather see the number, the front of the number, in line with the front of the A-post. Right now, what you've got is the 42 is kind of slid just before the A-post. I'd like to see it center with that, more center towards the door. It's still giving you plenty of space for sponsors. Um, I just think it looks super tacky. Yeah, I think the... um the single digit numbers too, like they need to keep those moved too far forward because it would probably look worse on a single digit number if it's moved all the way that far forward. Yeah. I couldn't imagine the number one stuck against the wheel. Well, yeah. Like maybe, maybe single digit numbers can move a little bit further back. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was a big piece of news circulating around Twitter for quite a while this week. Um, if y'all saw in the Darlington race, Kyle Bush wrecked out, hit the wall, I mean, he hit pretty good um, and was good and pissed and gave us one of those old-fashioned Kyle Busch moments that we like. 
um, cussed twice on national TV. And right before he did that, he drove back to the garage. I mean, it looked like he was hauling pretty good when he made the turn into the garage. Took out a few cones. Um, he Now, from the videos, it looks like he almost hit some people. I don't know as far as whether or not those people knew that, hey, track live, you need to get out of the way, et cetera, et cetera. It looks like one of them was a crew guy. Um, but woke or joke on Kyle's move into the garage? Um, I'm going to go joke. I don't think the cones play into my decision-making. I just think that, you know, I understand the idea of being a hot track. You know, that's that's one thing. Like, I know the officials have, like, whistles or whatever to, to warn people to move out of the way. But, you know, I'm all for, like, tempers and stuff as long as it's on a racetrack with other drivers. But I don't think the fans should get involved in that kind of stuff because – you know, sooner or later, if somebody's temper gets the best of them and they just whip it into the garage and the officials don't have a whistle or something like that, then it's going to, it's going to hurt somebody. And I don't think a driver's temper should be taken out on the innocent bystander as opposed to like the other driver. I, I'm halfway on this one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say woke because a, why the hell did you cone off a section of the garage entry? Right. Yeah. You knew that a car had just hit the wall pretty damn hard. Um, and, I mean, I've seen drivers pull back their hot hundreds of times, right? I can think of, I mean, mm -hmm. you name a driver, I can probably show you an instance of where it happened. Um, it just so happens that Kyle did it when people were in the way. If I'm NASCAR, I'm going to say, hey, if there's an incident, if there's a caution, we're going to move these cones out of the way. Everyone stand back because we don't know what's going on. There could be a car coming back here, right? So stand back for five minutes until we figure everything out and then keep going, right? And the only person that's keeping me from saying woke on this is the guy carrying the stack of tires. Everyone else there I feel like didn't need to be in that situation. And that's part of the whole the situational awareness of knowing, hey, track's hot. A guy just crashed. Watch out because he's probably coming right through here. Um, if y'all go to local tracks, you kind of figure this out where, okay, this class is over. Watch out. Cars are coming down. Um, caution's out. Someone just wrecked. He's probably going to be flying down the garage area. You know, so step out of the way. And I feel like there needs to be some accountability towards the people that were standing there. Um, again, the crew guy, I do feel for because he's really just trying to do his job. He's trying to bring over tires because a pit stop's coming. Um, so, I mean, I'm on the fence here. I, I do see both sides of it. I'm not going to blame Kyle, but I'm also not going to give – um, him full credit for it. Um, Alex jumped in the chat. Wow. Yeah. Joe being a hothead, he's hit a fan before at Bristol, which is true, which is true. But that, I mean, I, that goes back to my point, like situational awareness. Right. Like I, I agree with that. I just think that, I guess, I mean, I have never crashed a race car on live TV before, so I, I don't really have anything to say in this. There's no horse in the race, but you know, if you're already out of the race, I don't see what pulling into the garage. 20 miles an hour quicker is going to do for you. Like you're the damage is done, man. Just, just take the L. But yeah. You know. And Kyle Bush plays a huge part in this because he's right. Kyle Bush, right? He's he, known for it. Like that's, he has, that's his thing. Yeah. He has a temper. I just, I mean, I'm fair. Like I think that both sides could have done better. You know? Um, Alex also says in the chat here, the cones are for scoring um, electronic loop after those cones is why they don't cross the whole entryway. So that, I mean, that does make a little bit of sense. Um, they use those kind of gauge the scoring loop, but I'm still, I mean, a car just wrecked, move those damn cones out of the way, paint a line somewhere on there, right. Or duct tape a line or something. Um, there's definitely ways around that other than just putting up orange cones. Um, now we also found out um, Kyle Bush also got a $50,000 fine. What you know, honestly, I'm fine. It's a tough one. Like for me, I mean, I I understand the idea of punishing. Like they're probably making an example, saying, "Hey, you know, we don't want you to put any people in danger because you're mad and wrecked out." Like that's that's perfectly fine. But I don't I don't know if it's going to do anything. Like I could easily see him just do it again next week because I'm sure fifty thousand to him is not really that much. So I, I don't think it's going to make a big difference other than just. NASCAR trying to make a public example to other drivers and say, hey, we don't want you to do this. Like, we want you to enter the garage in a little more of a, a gentle manner, if you will. So, 
I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, see anybody changing the behavior. I can agree with that. If they are going to give him a penalty, um, this one is woke because, as we know, watching the sport, um, you can't dock him points because points yeah, don't mean anything. Right I mean, yeah, he could lose it by those few points that he gets docked, but he could also go out and win Bristol or win Richmond, you know, and just lock himself into the next round and it resets. Um, so I've seen a lot of people calling for it, especially the older fans, like, oh, you need a dock in points like Dale Jr. was for cussing on to I mean, that penalty was bad enough, too. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, and 50 grand, everyone acts like he's he's probably does have that lying around, but he's still going to notice it, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's not like he's paying a $100 fine. You know, he's he's paying $50,000. That's still quite a bit. That's really steep for a driver. Um, <clears throat> I can't think of very many higher um, penalties that were handed out in NASCAR that aren't for Michael Walter Bracing. Yeah, that's for sure. Now that you think of it, it's probably is more these days because they don't give as much for winning. Like the purses are smaller. Right. That's right. probably bigger than the purse would be for any race that's not a cup race. Alex says, woke, <clears throat> use the entry to justify two $25,000 fine for saying that, you know, shit on TV, the Dale Jr. rule. Then that is what Dale Jr. got. Dale Jr. got fined right. eight points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could see that they use the entry just to justify the, the television cost without knocking the good old boys and what the fans want with the, the passion on TV. I mean, Alex does make a good point there, actually. It's really I, believe, I don't think they find a Hamlin for language or Gregson, you know, when they were on TV and said anything, but I don't know. I did notice that back then they said something about the SEC was like really strict. And yeah. Nowadays probably a little more lenient. Yeah, I could see but that. I definitely don't think Junior deserved a, a real points penalty in the middle of a, a title fight for it. Like, I definitely right. don't agree with that. Yeah. Other big news that we've heard our very own Jared Bakaisa be very vocal about in our group chat and on Twitter. Um, Pocono may lose a date. They just got a doubleheader a couple years ago, um, and now they're in talks of losing a date. What do you think of that, Nate? What for joke? That's a big joke. I like Pocono. Like Everybody on Twitter knows that I defend that track to death. I mean, I'm not saying it's the most entertaining racing, but you know, if you take the 550 package away, it's perfectly capable of putting on a decent race. The fuel mileage too, that's always fun and is unique. Like I, I agree with the, the sentiment that you need unique tracks. I don't understand how there could be like four or five mile and a half that all have multiple dates, but you only get one Pocono race. Like I'd rather there be two Poconos than six of the same cookie cutter track. You know, it's unique. I'd rather have uniqueness than I would the same one and a half mile D shape of progressive banking. We see it everywhere. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm going to go woke on this. Um, I know Jared's a little bit biased because he lives right around that. That's his home track. Um, but yeah, I'd rather see the three turn track twice a year, you know, even if they just keep their double header, I think that's great. Um, I love their double header. Um, if you'd asked me five, seven years ago, Pocono could lose a date. I'd probably say, yeah. Um, but if any track loses a date, it shouldn't be Pocono. It should be the Kansas, the you know, the Vegas, the places like that. Um, like you mentioned, the cookie cutters. I could I could get rid of Texas entirely, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree completely. Y'all can either rebuild or just turn into Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> one big job. Like they should have made that the short track. You know, Fontana shouldn't have had to rebuild. I think Texas should have been the one to rebuild. Yeah, why not both? Yeah, I mean, I like Fontana, though, like the oval, the big oval. I thought that was fine. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. And, and I mean, Texas 10 years ago wasn't terrible. But Texas no, is absolute garbage. I mean, especially compared to Pocono. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's crazy. It's just – even Chase Elliott, you know, he's not a super vocal driver, and he was bashing it a few years ago. I don't know if you remember that, but – he said something along the lines of like, I can't wait until every race here turns into a snooze fast. And, and then something along the lines of even, I think Dale Jr. said it when he raced there. He's like, yeah, this place is never going to get a high line again. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, all the fans agree. Um, haven't seen Alex's comment yet. So we're just going to move on. Um, he said something about the uh, 500 miles. So I would assume Pocono like that. He said, if you're taking away, I would assume if you're taking the Pocono date away, 
to make that a 500 miler if you only have one of them. That's that's a good idea. I see. Oh, I see it now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, next big rumor that we've seen Twitter light up NASCAR about. Possibility of moving the Bush Clash, the Bud Shootout, whatever you want to call it. And there's rumors that it could be to L.A. Nate, woke or joke on moving the Clash out of Daytona? Oh, man. I, I feel like the idea of trying something is woke, but I don't like the idea of the L.A. Coliseum. You know, I think that's a joke to me because I don't – I mean, I don't know what you're going to accomplish. It's just going to be Bowman Gray 2.0. And, like, is that really what you want to show the people in L.A.? Like, is that who you really want to show yourselves is that? Like, I don't know. I just think that they could do better jobs. Um, I don't believe that enough people in L.A. are even going to care if we're being completely honest, too. So, and, and plus, Speed Weeks. Alex pointed it out in the comments. Yeah, what happens to Speed Weeks? Yeah, we're going to hit on his. He says Speed Weeks can still be a thing. L.A. already has a track, which is a very good point. Fontana is in L.A. Um, it's right in the suburb. It's like, I mean, it's not very far. I mean, it's as far from L.A. as Charlotte is from Charlotte, you know. That's a good point. And it's, it's almost just a thing they're trying to, you know, get into urban areas. But I don't – they probably won't even be able to fill up the stadium if we're being honest. So I do agree with racing in LA as an exhibition. Right. I am going to go joke on moving the clash because I think speed weeks is such a huge tradition. Um, families plan their entire vacations around that. Um, I know a lot of people that show up the Saturday before the clash or that, you know, when they run it at night, and they'd show up, they'd stay for the clash, they'd stay that whole week and leave a day or two after the 500. I mean, that's a, that is the biggest tradition that our sport has, is the Daytona 500 and the speed weeks that surround it. Moving the clash outside of Daytona, you can put it on the road course, fine. It's an exhibition race. I'm not going to watch it. Um, but moving it to L.A., I mean, now you're alienating most of the NASCAR fan base just to entertain some folks over in L.A. who are probably just going to show up for a little bit, say it was cool, leave and never show up again. Yeah, that's my thought. They're going to have some A-list celebrities there, probably pay them to be there, if we're being honest. Right. And then, you know, have them get on TV and say, oh, this is really fun. And then they're probably not going to become longtime fans of the sport. Like, they're just there so that NASCAR can flex on their social media pages. Hey, look who we got to the race. And you don't really hear much from them. Right. I think Alex did something similar about Long Beach, that would, like if you're gonna do an exhibition over there on a different track, why not like Long Beach? Like they said, like it's right. a street course; it fits their bill, and it'd be better than the LA Coliseum. I'd rather see them move the All Star Race there and give yeah. them a week off either before sure. or after the All Star Race, or I'd rather see them like a do a, a Japan kind of style where they just did it completely in the off season, sent the teams Ooh. over there, you know kind of made it a huge incentive to run and do it like that. I mean, SoCal's got really nice weather all year round. You could definitely do it in the end of January, you know. Um, but, I mean, you're cutting super close to the season. You're going to put a lot of stress on these teams. Um, if they wanted Bowman Gray, just go to Bowman Gray. It's got 40,000 seats, right? It can fit 40,000 people. It's already, you know, a, a track. It's already there. Um, I mean, I don't know why they – I had a better idea for you. Why not? If you're moving the All Star Race, why don't why don't you go to Nashville Fairgrounds or something? Like, right? That's my thought. If you're if you're running a race at Nashville Super Speedway for points, have the All Star Race on the week before it or something like that. The All Star Break, you run the All Star at Nashville Fairgrounds, and then you run the points race at the Speedway. Like, they're two races in the same area, and it's big because I think that I know that they want Southern California and they want it to be like that, but. Nashville is becoming a big urban area. Like that yeah. probably would have more people that would be into that kind of stuff than LA would for NASCAR. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be more on board with them putting a track in, you know, any other arena, this, you know, the East side of the Mississippi, you know, fine, go for it. But now you're talking about going 2,500 miles for these teams for an exhibition race. 
um, right before the Daytona 500. They're already going to spend all this money on cars and everything getting down to the Daytona race. Um, if we're talking about cutting teams' expenses, why are we doing this? Why are we yeah. having to travel 5,000 miles for basically nothing? I just think, like, if you run Nashville in the summer, like Super Speedway, just do the all-star race at the fairgrounds a week or two before. I mean, Yes, I mean, Soldier Field, Chicago. I mean, yeah, Chicago yeah. used to have a race. We know there's a, there's a market there. Yeah. And I, I just think Nashville would be a big market because, you know, people, they. I know they talk about, hey, we don't want to be in the South and all that stuff. But, like, look at how popular Nashville is as a city. Look at look at these Southern cities. They're all doing just fine. And people here would probably like it more than they would over there. Yeah, exactly. Um, last bit of woker joke that we got is I'm going to let you touch on this a little bit, but apparently there's a rumor going around about the air circulation in the next gen cars. Tell us what that's about and if you're woker joke. Um, well, first of all, um, it was, I don't remember which reporter who made it public, but there's pictures of ducks being cut into the, the top of the cars, like right above the windshield that, that, that could channel air to the driver. I'm not sure what's causing the heat issue. I would assume maybe it's lower roofs, like a tall spoiler, a low roof. There's probably less air getting to the driver when you're behind somebody. But apparently somebody on Twitter who's actually a big sponsor for an Xfinity Series team mentioned that it was 160 degrees, according to him and his sources, which that's a huge number. You know, that's not commonly seen and that's a major issue. So... I don't know. Like, if that's a major, if that's a thing that they can't fix, I'd have to go joke because I don't, I don't see how the drivers would physically be able to do that for six hundred miles or whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm also gonna go joke. Um, I mean, I won't say the the guy's name who reported mm -hmm. it. I mean, if y'all hop on Twitter, you could probably find it. Right. Um, he's, a he's, a, he's a fairly reliable source. I mean, he's he's not one to post out a lot of f uh, fake information. He's very opinionated. Um, but he, I mean, he's he's fairly close with Kurt Busch. I mean, he's an Xfinity Series sponsor. Uh, yeah, he he he's a pretty, I mean, honest guy. Um, if he is exaggerating, he wouldn't be doing it by fifty degrees. You know. Yeah. It's, it's probably one. close to one sixty, if not just over one sixty, in those cars. Um, that's scary. We talked yeah. about the Kansas race a couple years ago. That was the hottest race on record. And the interior of the cars was 130. And we had mm -hmm. drivers passing out on pit road, um, things like that. We saw uh, Bubba Wallace after a hot race um, start kind of going in and out during an interview. That was really scary. I can't imagine what an extra 30 or 40 degrees would do on a driver. I mean, we're talking 50 degrees below boiling. Yeah, that's big. You cannot physically survive this. So, I mean, this is a huge issue. I mean, we, we had a big uproar um, when the test came out and NASCAR didn't really say anything about the safety of the cars. Um, to me, this is almost bigger because you're talking about racing, granted, Daytona in early September, but we have hot, hot, hot races during the summer months. Oh, yeah. Like and even the, NASCAR races. the fall Talladega race is already super hot as it is. Yeah. You know? Um, I agree. Yeah, I mean – Nate or Alex is going to say driver safety is concerning as always makes her reminds me of uh, the vent in IndyCar. He's going to say woke. I assume he's talking about either the vent or the fact yeah. that it's an issue. I'm assuming he's not saying woke that it's a hundred degrees in the car. I don't think so on that. I mean, <laughs> shoot, I, I thought it was hot enough on Monday doing the karting races and it was probably 95 outside and I didn't even have a roof over my head. Right, yeah, you're open like, air. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to do this for five hours if I was, if I was, if I had this like in a fully enclosed environment. Like, get me out of there, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I mean, it's it's scary to think about. Um, I'd assume they're going to fix it. We all like to assume the right. best, um, but that's it's very very concerning. I would assume it might have something to do with the roof height if you're having. A, a tall spoiler in the car in front of you and your roof line is lower. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if that would mean less air gets passed onto the car behind, but it's just weird. I didn't, it's not something I would have expected from that design. Like there's gotta be somebody out there that can explain why this is happening. Like there's some engineers out there I'm sure could help. Yeah. 
We saw this last weekend, in my opinion, one of the best races of the year, but we saw a 750 race at Darlington. Um, so we're moving on from Woker Joke. Um, what was your opinion on this cup race? It's was a hit. It, was it one of the best of the year, if not the oh, best? Oh, for sure. Like, I, I would easily go that far. Um, people talk about, you know, hey, we don't like these races where people get strung out and you know, we don't have a long attention span, but I was more glued to the TV watching that race than I was most of the 550 races all year. Um, there were a lot of cars that could have won the race. There were several very good cars, and there was like a strategy battle toward the middle to the end of the race before the last caution came out. Um, like Ross Chastain was in real contention to win that race. Um, you had guys moving back and forth. You had a lot of things going on, but the race itself was super good because – you had Hamlin running long. Um, the five and the 42 obviously pitted earlier. Truex was probably going to win the race after that caution until he got the speeding penalty. He drove all the way back to fourth after that under green. So there was a lot going on there. It was pure racing. Like there wasn't any gimmicks around it. It was just for that last 25 laps, it was, you know, the five was a little bit faster than the 11, but they kind of came together toward the end and they were inseparable almost and even before that i think the racing was very good i think if it rained green i would have been just as happy yeah yeah i agree completely i mean this race did take me back to when i was a kid and the nascar i grew up on um especially the close races at the end watching the guy completely hunt down the leader um right. was super cool ross chastain i was really rooting for him the last few laps um your guy denny ended up getting it done um, which is cool to see because i did pick him last week yeah, you did. Golden, hell yeah, tied for the lead right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a fantastic race. Um, I mean, it was it was really cool seeing Larson kind of send it right there at the end. Just yeah, that was really awesome to me. <laughs> you know, full out trying to win the race. That was really cool. He didn't have to wreck Hamlin to do it. Um, didn't quite get it done, but is what I, I kind of like that better than I would just diving into the corner and just leaning on him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It was a clean effort. Yeah. Um, I mean, in your opinion, why do you think that NASCAR doesn't see what the facts or what the fans are saying? I mean, obviously, Twitter was blowing up with complete support for this race. Um, every poll I've seen is up in the 80, high 80s, 90%. You know, this is a great race. Um, obviously, NASCAR doesn't see this. I would believe that the reason they don't see it is because they're thinking in the eyes of the casual fan that just tunes on the TV. They're thinking of somebody who doesn't see the nuance behind racing as to what makes it so special. Because I'm sure that if I showed one of my friends the last 25 laps, they probably would tell me, I don't know what's so exciting about this. How do you watch this? You know, mm -hmm. but you know, you have to explain to them that, Hey, this is, this is the toughest track on the circuit. You know, there's, there's a, the guy leading the race is slower than the guy behind him. And there's 25 laps left no caution like there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that race and people don't people that aren't there for the racing itself don't understand what makes it special and i think that nascar knows that and they're thinking we want to make it look special for the casual fans so that's why they want pack racing everywhere they want something that doesn't take comprehension or nuance to understand like they don't like they don't they know that the diehard fan like you or I or everybody really that watches this podcast, none of those people, you know, are going to like the, the new product, but they don't care. They want something that pleases the new fan, the casual fan, somebody who isn't even a fan just tuning in. They don't want something that, that actually takes a lot of comprehension to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree completely. Um, we saw big news. This is, I mean, up for opinion, but Steve O'Donnell actually deleted his Twitter. Um, <clears throat> supposedly, because of the scrutiny and to work on his mental health, that's what I've heard. <clears throat> but if you're going to lead a sport and you're going to make the decisions that you've made, you better be pretty thick-skinned and be able to take the consequences of that. Um, yeah, right? Don't poke a hornet's nest if you don't want to get stung. Exactly. And, I, I mean, you got to think back to when the casual fans most turned on a NASCAR. It's really hard to argue that the 1979 Daytona 500 didn't do exactly that, right? Half the country was snowed in. There was nothing on TV. Mm -hmm. 
They all tuned into NASCAR and they saw pure racing. They didn't see three, four, five wide every single lap. They didn't see two wide for the finish. Um, they just saw two guys out there with perfect cars hammering it out, and they just so happened to wreck and fight. And that's exactly it. And I think NASCAR needs to realize that it's not – you don't have to have that every week. It doesn't need to look like an iRacing simulation out there. It just – just pure racing and fans will attach themselves to it. Um, just like baseball. I mean, baseball yeah. is kind of in that boat now where they're trying to attract the casual fan, and they're driving out hardcore fans in the process. Right, and I agree. I think that's a good analogy. Yeah. You know, I'm not like a baseball guy, and I see a lot of people trashing baseball. And honestly, the reason I don't want to trash is because I know that it's a complicated sport. It probably takes a lot of comprehension to understand. So I don't want to make a judgment on it because I don't understand it, you know. And that's something that I noticed with Darlington is people look at that last corner and like, oh, what's so special about it? And it's like, well, you know, you're realizing, hey, this guy's got to hold off Kyle Larson the best, probably the best driver of the season for 25 laps at the toughest track. And his heartbeat was only a hundred beats a minute for most of that run until it was 120 in the last corner. So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of things going on there that it makes you appreciate how difficult racing is. And I don't think you're able to see the difficulty to the untrained eye. Yeah. And I'd like to see him sell Darlington a little bit more in the broadcast. I know they did their damnedest to try to do it. Um, but I see a lot of people complaining that there wasn't a lot of passing. It was kind of hard to get around the leader, but that's just Darlington. I mean, that's it's how a, it is. It's one it's a narrow track. track. Yeah, I mean, you got one lane, two lanes tops if you're slowing down your lap times. Um, it's hard to pass there as it is. You give us this package of Bristol, and we see one of the best races, if not the best of the year, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the fun part about Darlington. You know, I don't think every track should have it easy. Not every track should have five wide racing. It's it, you're racing the track. You're not necessarily always racing the guy in front of you. And you saw that with Hamlin. He knew that Larson was quicker, but he raced the track. He just did what he had to do. No more. Yeah. And, and NASCAR's kind of been in this groove lately of they've started putting more road courses on the schedule. Um, we see them kind of pushing a little bit more for short tracks. So we know that, you know, full throttle isn't their overall goal but we see them keep moving in the same direction with the speedways, anything over a mile, mile and a half, they want flat out racing everywhere. And they're kind of sending a mixed signal to fans. They're kind of telling the hardcore fans, well, okay, we'll give you your off throttle time, but only at the road courses and only at Martinsville. What do you, I mean, what's your take on that? Because we've heard the rumors that the next gen car, that's exactly where they're going. Yeah, that's a big joke. I mean, I think that if you go back and look at a lot of good cookie cutter races, from before the 550 package, they were perfectly fun. Like they, you had a lot of off throttle time. You had drivers searching around. You had it was clearly difficult to drive, and they were great races as a result. And I don't believe that every track over a mile has to be pack racing because we've seen it before. You can make every mile and a half track fun if you want it to be fun. I don't, I don't think it's fair to the bigger tracks to say, hey, all of you guys have to race like Talladega now. Like, it just yeah. takes away what makes it fun. I'd like to – I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that at some point the tracks were probably upset. You know, I look at ISC. Um, I look at SMI. Um, the tracks themselves were probably upset at the attendance ratings because – they are a cookie-cutter track, and they didn't have the show that the Darlingtons, the Martinsvilles, the Daytona, and Talladegas did. And so they wanted – NASCAR wanted something else to draw the fans to those tracks. So they came up with the 550 package. So they compromised the racing to make the tracks looks good – or to make the tracks looks good uh, – track uh, look good <laughs> in exchange for, you know, shitty racing, not being able to pass, aero games, um, when all they needed to do – was take a few of these cookie cutters off the schedule. I mean, we saw at one point a third of the schedule was nothing but D-shaped one one and a half mile ovals. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it personally. Like, I think that they've basically put in the boat, like, hey, we're just going to ruin every big track now from now on. Like, you're not going to get any more, you know, 2018 Chicago lands where they're clearly great races on cookie cutters. But I don't know. Like, if that's the direction we're headed in, then – it's a shame yeah. because some of these cookie cutters have everything that a good short track would have just at higher speed. Right. 
Right, exactly. I agree completely with that. You know, if it gets to be this point and or to this point and this bad, I mean, I'll just tune in my 16 times a year and call it good at that. Um, we did see this weekend, in addition with the Kyle Busch incident, a lot of playoff drivers had issues. Um, we saw Ryan Blaney crash. We saw William Byron crash. We saw Truex get the speeding penalty. What do you think about some of the playoff drivers having the big trouble that they had this weekend? Um, I'm going to go woke. You know, it shows Darlington is it's – it's a tough track. Like, that shows you, like, it's not – you're not racing other people, you race the track. And to be fair, though, a lot of them were mechanical, like Byron blew a tire. Um, and then poor Bowman kind of just got caught up in it. And then I want to say Byron blew another tire later in the race that put him down for good. Elliot had another um, – Another tire failure, which shouldn't have been race ending. It was just bad luck. Like he just got a little bit of a touch from another car. That was enough to cut down his left front. So hopefully composite bodies will fix that next year. Uh, Michael McDowell, he crashed on his own. Same with Kyle Busch, crashed on his own. Um, Other than that, I'm fine with it. But at the same time, I think a lot of them were not related to the track as much as they were just dumb luck. But I think the Blaney one was maybe track-related because he had had a brake failure at Nashville earlier in the year. And he mentioned something about the brakes causing that spin on the radio. So, I don't know. Like It just shows you that there's a lot of things that can go wrong. That's all it shows you. Yeah, and I'm a Blaney guy, but I'm going to criticize him right now. I mean, he was one of the playoff drivers that we saw wreck, and, I mean, he took a fairly hard hit. Um, however... His, he, he did mention before on the pit stop that his brakes were kind of spongy, and then right after that he wrecked. Um, either something's going on with Penske brakes, or Ryan Blaney just needs to back the damn corner up. I mean, <laughs> one of the two. I mean, I didn't see Brad Kay or Joey Logano lose brakes, so I'm thinking Ryan just needs to slow down and back the corner up here. I'm going to put that one on him. I know um, that he always used to mention how he'd burn up right front tires quite a bit early in his career. Right. I remember if you were around for that, but yeah, when he was starting out. He'd always mention that in interviews. So maybe it's just, you know, maybe obviously he's not going to make the brakes fail himself. But obviously, if he knows the brakes aren't good, then, you know, maybe a driving style change can reduce it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, and I think experience will change that. Um, but yeah, we did see a huge shakeup in the playoff field. Um, obviously, not very many people expected Denny Hamlin to go winless in the first twenty six races and then win the playoff opener. Um, not many people saw Harvick running or saw Harvick um, having a run as good as he did. Oh, I did. I got to brag about that later. I Go gotta, oh, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we did an article here on um, our Fanfield website about the ones to watch in Darlington. And four of them finished in the top five, Kevin Harvick being one of them. And he actually finished fifth with a flat tire for the last lap. So, um, He's never finished outside the top 10 at Darlington since 2012, which is like, I never knew that until it's like, and he mentioned that it's a 750 track. He's finished top 10 in every 750 race this year, except for Richmond where he cut a tire when he was in the top 10. So, you know, I knew that that was his big chance to, to get a good run because they're not as good at the 550 tracks. So that was cool. Um, I don't know. Like, I just had to brag about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell yeah. Did you watch the uh, the truck or Xfinity race this weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really watch much of the truck race. Um, I saw the end where Creed won. I was pretty mundane, but I did see Xfinity. Um, Hamlin had a win pretty much in the bag until Akasha comes out with nine to go. He gets an uncontrolled tire on the pit stop, gets cycled to the back. So... It really should have been a, a third weekend sweep for him there. But I don't know. Like, while we're at it, I'll give a shout-out to Hamlin because I don't think people understand how big of a deal that win was. Like, it kept him from going winless, obviously. That's that's the biggest deal. But three Southern 500s, not many people can say that. I think they said the only people to win the Daytona 500 in the Southern 500 three times each, it's like Jeff Gordon, Bobby Allison, Kelly Yarbrough, and then him. So it's a big deal. And he's also won 45 races, which 
breaks a tie with Bill Elliott for 18th all time. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that little. I didn't know either. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't watch either race. I did see the news about Derek Krauss and the Nice Motorsport. If y'all follow any of them on Twitter or saw the drama, um, Nice Motorsports was, I mean, they chose violence on Twitter. Oh, yeah, they did. I saw that. Going after there, I mean, they were tweeting at Napa asking if they just sponsored Derek because he buys so many spare parts for the team. Um, I mean, that was that was great. Um, but I mean, Derek Krause, I mean, we've said it on here before, and people have said it for months now, ever since um, really the kind of the back half of the uh, regular season at Knoxville. Um, this dude's a he's a missile. I mean, he's a dart without feathers, he just runs into everyone, um, you know kind of a real life cold trickle he'll hit everything but the pace car um i mean what do you think of that guy um yeah honestly if we're being if we're being real with this i don't think he's a bad race car driver like he's shown talent in every step of the way he just he just needs to control it you know obviously some of the crashes aren't his fault and that's the same with every driver not every crash is going to be their fault but if you're involved in the stat i saw him if you're involved in more crashes than you are even the number of races you've run in a year, like he averages one and a half cautions per race. Which yeah, I did see that. One and a half more, like he's averaging more cautions than he is racing run. And at that point, yeah. that can't be luck anymore. You know, like some of it is him. Like there's no denying it. And yeah. I'm yeah, not going to the mechanical failures and stuff against him, but if you're – the self-inflicted ones, there has to be a way to tone that down. Like, there has to be. Yeah. I'll shout out slap shoes to one of my all-time favorite quotes is, I get it, shit, shit happens, but some people are in shit more often than others. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just the perfect way to describe Derek Krause. Um, I also go back to a DBC quote I heard a long time ago where an M&M's executive sat down with uh, Elliot Sadler and said, I don't know how you lost your last job, but I'll tell you how you're going to lose this one. And I feel like Derek Krause and I mean, even Riley Herbst for that matter are probably in that kind of in that same boat where if they didn't have a lot of money behind them, they probably wouldn't have a very good ride. Um, to, I mean, I, th- I do think Derek has talent. I think Riley has talent, but I don't think they have the skills or the patience to get it done or to be patient enough to not <laughs> wreck the dude in front of them or lean on him going into the corner to make up a spot. Yeah. And I think situational awareness is a lot of it. Like there's, there's driver coaches out there. I remember articles that they talk about preparing drivers to make good decisions situationally. And I think Sheldon Creed was a big example. He struggled with that for such a long time. You would see him wreck trucks on a weekly basis when he was in a position to win. And, you know, ever since he calmed down, he's become really, really good. And I knew that would happen. I'm like, as soon as the guy calms down, he's going to win races and he's going to win a lot of them. So I think it's just another example of, you have to understand that your brain is just as important as your foot when it comes to winning. Yeah, I agree completely. I definitely think slowing down would definitely get Derek the more, I mean, the more reliable finishes and the more consistent finishes that the team and him are counting on. Um, I do have to stop for a minute and give a shout out because next week we are going to have a big guest. Oh yeah. We have never had the biggest one yet. Um, we love the fans. We're all about the fans here next week. We're going to have a driver for the first time. We're going to have Raja Karuth on the show. Um, he was announced as Tommy Joe Martin's new driver for the 2022 season. Um, we are super – I mean, I am stoked to have yeah, this guy here. Yeah, I am. I want to talk to him about racing, about – I mean, his entire history because I know next to nothing about him. So, I think I agree. Like, yeah, I'm going to learn on the podcast talking to him. Yeah, and I think I'm going to have fun with – getting to know him as a NASCAR fan because, you know, every driver grew up as a fan of the sport and it's not, you know, there's not going to be a driver out there who didn't grow up wanting to be here. And I think it's fun to, to know what his childhood was like as a NASCAR fan, who he rooted for, you know, what were his favorite races as a kid? You know, did he, you know, what were his experiences going to races and whatnot? Like there's a lot of things about drivers that we don't know because, you know, there's nobody to ask him these questions and that we'd like to be those people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially a new driver coming in, um, the fans don't know a whole lot about him. Um, I think it's really great to kind of break that mold that he's in and 
kind of pry a little bit of information out of him as far as what makes him a fan. Um, you know, the, the path he's taken to get up to this point. Um, I am super stoked. I can't even put into words how excited I am for next week. So Raja Karuth will be on next week. And we're actually doing, I believe, a Thursday episode. Yeah. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, with that, quick episode tonight. We're going to head right into picks. Um, I did win last week. Yeah, you did. You threw the Hail Mary. I knew I had to throw kind of a Hail Mary to – not necessarily Hail Mary, but I knew I had to get something rolling to start of the playoffs. I was down quite a bit. Um, I did tie for the lead now. Nate, mm-hmm. Jared, and I are all tied at three points. Alex is at zero, which means Alex got to pick first. Um, well, he, he, he mentioned us. He texted Bradkins last year, I believe, for this week, which is last year's winner in this race. Yeah, he is. So, Brad Keselowski for Alex. Jared has not gotten back to us, so I don't know. We don't know who he's going with. So, here's what we're going to do. Executive decision. Nate and I are going to pick, and if Jared picks one of our drivers, we're just going to change. Right. That's that's pretty fair. And we'll announce it on Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. Jared, if you're watching this, feel free to steal either one of our drivers. (laughs) Uh, So, I believe, Nate, you're next, huh? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Who am I going to go with? This is a tough one for me because there's two guys that really, really shine to me. Not one in particular, but I think in this one, I'm going to have to go with Joey Logano because it's 750 track. He does really good on 750 tracks. Same with Penske. Um, he actually was one of the better cars in this year's Richmond race. It was he or Hamlin before the caution came out. They were, 13 seconds ahead of the next guy, just those two. And that was it. So I think if there's a track to use Logano, I, I might as well use him now and, and kind of throw a Hail Mary like Colton did last week, because I know that there were other drivers that I'm not naming that were good 750 drivers, but I think Logano's the best one for me. I, Jared, if you're watching this, I'm going to tell you the winner right now. I did it last week. I did it earlier this week. I think I picked three winners in a row um, towards the first half of the season. I'm going to go with a guy that should have won the race last week and that should have won the race and dominated the first Richmond race of the year. Martin Truex Jr., that number 19 car, is going to get it done in Richmond. Um, yeah, that's that's a home run hit right there. He He's a wheel man, and I'm hoping he's going to give me the lead in points and just kind of separate me from the pack at this point. Um so I mean, yeah, nineteen victory lane. Let's go. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to use him, but I figured I would save him for later. Uh, it was a tough decision, but it had to be done because I feel like he's going to come in clutch for me later in the year. But like you said, at Richmond, he's led I think close to a thousand laps since twenty sixteen at Richmond, which is like yeah. I mean, he's led hundreds of laps in almost every Richmond race. So if there's anybody that's like an automatic favorite, it's got to be him. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, with that, Nate, do you have anything else for us? Um. Well, let's let's see here. Um, I don't know to give any shout outs to anything that interesting happened, but I know from the weekend since I've been reading a bunch of stats about Hamlin, I might as well give out another shout out. Um, he's won, I think, a crown jewel in every year except for 2018, since 2016. So he's won the 2500 2016. 2017 Southern 500, almost won Daytona and Indy in 2018. Daytona 2019, Daytona 2020, Southern 500 2021. So he's quickly becoming, you know, Mr. Crown Jewel. And apparently Chris Gabehart's statistics are like, he's won, I think, 14 times in like under 100 starts as a crew chief, which is like, that's almost right ever in percentages. Yeah. His average finish as a crew chief in three years is 9.1. Yeah, damn. You're talking about almost twenty uh, percent yeah. win percentage. Yeah, I mean the guy is insane. Well, that's pretty damn good. Um, I don't really have any shout-outs this week. I don't have any. Yeah, I, don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Like, All my stuff is still packed up. Yeah. Well, with that, sorry that Alex couldn't be here. Trust me, the good host mm-hmm. will be back next week. Um, barring that his voice does get a little bit better. Hopefully we'll have Jared back as well. Um, with that, check us out on our brand new website, 
just went live yes. last Friday, fanfuelmotorsports.com. Check out our articles there. We have tons of opinions, tons of race recaps. We got um, some new articles coming this week. We got new so articles sweet. coming. I've got a couple coming from my side. Um, we do want your guys' opinion, so check out our Twitter. Our pinned tweet um, is a form for you guys to fill out to help um, fill up the website, maybe get you guys on the podcast. We love to have a ton of fans on here. Um, it's a fan-centered podcast, a fan-centered group. Um, we want to hear from you guys and your experiences at tracks, uh, your experiences at certain races with certain drivers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Give us all the information you can. Help fill other fans in. Um, also, check us out on Twitter at FanFuelMSM. That's capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Um, check us out on YouTube. Um, other than that, I think we're good. Nate, peace out. Yep, I think we did it all. So I guess I'll see you guys next week. Yep, thank you guys for listening. Bye.